It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Good morning. It's time to get up with KD. A new day has dawned for the Suns. Why, after just one game, the rest of the NBA should be very nervous. And Aaron Rodgers said it himself. He doesn't fear the unknown. Why, that alone might point to a departure from Green Bay. And John Harbaugh was clear. Lamar is his guy. But does that mean the Ravens are ready to give their superstar what he wants? We shall see as we say good morning. I am Ryan Smith. In for Greeny. So good to have you with us today. Got a lot of football to get to, and we got our guys with us. Our crew are in Indianapolis for the Combine. Dan Orlovsky, Dan Graziano, Mike Tannenbaum ready to go. Vince Carter also ready to talk some hoops. So let's get right to that with the debut of the night. Suns taking on the Hornets. Kevin Durant making his Suns debut as they visited Charlotte Wednesday. He was out over seven weeks with that sprained right knee. No worse for wear right away. Look at that from Chris Paul right to KD. First bucket as a Sun, they lead by four. Over a minute later, Devin Booker to KD. Money, triple. He's off to a fast start. Sun's up seven. Second quarter, they're up 10. And KD, 10 for 15 from the field in this game. The mid-range game, working. Scored 12 in the first half. Sun's up by 16. Third quarter, watch this. Kelly Oubre off the miss. Durant, the rebound. And the long pass to Devin Booker, wide open for the dunk. Booker had 37 in this one, Suns up 14. Fourth quarter lead just six, but KD going to work. Get the jumper to go and the foul. Suns up nine after the free throw. And then under nine minutes to go, Suns up 10. KD pumping, working, mid-range jumper, good. 23 points in just 27 minutes. His first game with the Suns and they get the win. KD, how did your debut feel? I was nervous, you know. I was, it's a new team, new group. I want to do well. I want to play hard for them and, and be coachable. So I was thinking about all of that today. But once the ball was tipped, my teammates were incredible and making me comfortable. And I just tried to go out there and play my game. It's tough, you know, missing a month of the season. But I'm glad my knee's back right. I'm glad I'm just on the road to, you know, playing more and more minutes each game. And I'm looking forward to uh, what we could build from this. This was Durant's most efficient team debut as his 23 points came on just 15 field goal attempts. Now, the time off certainly didn't impact his jump shot. Nine of Durant's 10 made baskets came from jumpers, with six of those makes coming from mid-range. You know, that is his game, and it was working against the Hornets last night. Vince Carter bringing you back in. What did you see from Durant in his debut that stood out to you? What didn't we see, right? He didn't look rusty. He looked in rhythm. It's like he, he didn't miss seven weeks. And, and also, yeah, he's playing with a new team at that. And I tell you, Kevin Durant, you can plug and play him anywhere with anyone. His ability to score at all three levels. And the one thing that, uh, you know, what is scary is when they were in trans transition, his, his second basket, Chris Paul to Devin Booker, skip pass over to a wide open Kevin Durant, and then obviously his ability to score the mid-range shot is second to none. So, you know, he, KD's able to play, like I said, with anybody, any superstar. And I think he learned that lesson 
playing with the Golden State Warriors. You know, when he first got to Golden State, it was a little bumpy. He and Draymond kind of got into it. Let, you know, let them understand, we don't play ball that way. You know, you have to learn how to play with other guys. And once he figured that out and he how to play with other superstars and still be himself, he took off. And now every time we see KD step on the floor with anyone, he gets his, but he's an unselfish superstar. Guys are cutting down the basket, getting easy baskets because of his ability to give guys the ball when they're open. What makes him so great. Now, Vince, does Durant now make the Suns the best in the West? Uh, potentially they can make them the best in the West down the line. I think we just need to pump our brakes. That's the simple side <laughs> of what is to come. They're a very good basketball team, and they have a lot of potential, but let's not disrespect the Denver Nuggets. Yes, I feel like eventually as this kind of moves forward, they can move up and, and, and potentially eclipse them. But right now, the Denver Nuggets are playing great basketball as well. So down the line, the Phoenix Suns can get it all together and look out. Yeah, great point. Denver doesn't get enough respect, but look, this team, this Phoenix Suns team, looks like pick your poison already. All right, Vince, we'll come back to you in just a second, talk more hoops. But let's go to football now because Aaron Rodgers, man, he's saying his found his inner peace during his four-day darkness retreat last week. Rodgers appeared on a podcast with his friend, health and wellness specialist Aubrey Marcus, and Rodgers said it wouldn't take him much longer for him to decide his future. In the darkness, the realization was one option was scary and one was unknown. And which was which? The scary was uh, retirement. Mm -hmm. And the unknown was going back and playing. And what does that mean? Is that Green Bay? Is that somewhere else? If that's somewhere else, what is it like being somewhere else? If you don't like it and you think it's drama, you're going to be in a diva whatever, then just tune it out. Mm -hmm. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But this is my life. It's important to me. And I'll make a decision soon enough, and then we'll go down that road and be really excited about it. Comfortable with that roaring fire behind him? All right, Dan Orlovsky, <laughs> straight away. What's your I don't have reaction? a fire, right? Right, the fire. I don't it's have incredible. a roaring fire behind me. What's your reaction to that sound? Yeah, that Aaron Rodgers is done playing football in Green Bay. I don't think he's done playing football, though. I, I do believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to play this year. It's just going to be not at Lambeau Field. Also, this. Yes, it's your life, and it is your decision, but there's a butterfly effect to a lot of that decision, and there's teams that are sitting there waiting on your information. Are you going to play? Are you not going to play? And it can't just be, well, this is me and only me, and this has to be something where you are conscious of the ramifications of other people waiting on that decision, and I think this too, like... If I was a team sitting here, if I'm the New York Jets sitting here waiting on Aaron Rodgers... I have to figure out, am I ready to bring Aaron and everything that Aaron is into our locker room? I think that's become more of a focus point from, from my vantage point over this last week or two. And I was listening to J.J. Redick talk about the NBA and load management the other day on first take and how the, the young players in the NBA are coming to a different culture than they did 20 years ago. That's a young culture in New York. Are, is your locker room ready to take in everything that Aaron is? You're not just taking in a, a player. You're taking in certainly a presence that is ab very abnormal to NFL locker rooms. It's very different. And I think that the Jets or the Raiders, whoever else, has to sit down and figure out, are we really capable of taking on everything that Aaron is going to bring with him? That's a great point. In some ways, if he joins the Jets, it becomes in some ways Aaron Rodgers' team. And you wonder yeah. what that impact is. Graz, what are you hearing about Rodgers and Indy? 
Yeah, look, I, I think there's a lot of feeling around here of, and, and nobody knows what Aaron is going to do. Like, no one knows it's, been, it's in his head, uh, in spite of how many words he gives us about it uh, on a weekly basis. But I think the feeling is that the, from the Packers' end, they may be asking themselves the kinds of questions that Orlovsky was just talking about the Jets asking themselves, right? Like, is it, ti- is it time to do something else? The rest of the Packers' roster is very young. Yeah. Putting Jordan Love in and letting him grow with that roster, I, I think there's some temptation to that idea. So the Packers and Aaron Rodgers need to get together, everybody put their shoes on, and have a conversation <laughs> about what he wants to do, what they want to do, because then it becomes complicated. When do they trade him? Can they get it done before the draft? It's easier on the Packers if they wait till after June 1st. His contract right. and, and the way it's written and laid out make it a complicated deal. So the, the sooner the better on, uh, on figuring out where he's going to end up and how. Yeah, it's an important point there. Now, Mike T, the other side of this is we talk about Aaron Rodgers maybe wanting out, maybe Green Bay moving on. But if Aaron Rodgers wants back in Green Bay, as a GM, what are you telling him? We need you right now. We need you in March, April, and May. Our offense got better month by month last year. We have two really young receivers that we love in Christian Watson, a second rounder, and Romeo Dobbs, a fourth rounder. But the $60 million guarantee that we're paying you, look, of course, we're paying you to play quarterback, but it's also about being the leader of this team and increasing and enhancing continuity. We all want to get to the same place. We want to be champions. And the best way to do that is to formulate the best possible continuity in the offseason. So if you're in, you're all in. And candidly, I think they have a much stronger hand, Ryan, than they did a year ago because Jordan Love is an improved player. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I think like, I agree with Mike T. It's all in. You know, in hearing Aaron's comments, while they are 100% fact that he said, you know, in 2019, Matt LaFleur's first year, he was wondering what they were doing, and then they draft Jordan Love, his replacement, he goes and wins the MVP twice. But if you're the Packers or you're all the, these other teams that are interested, at some point it has to be about the win. Like, at some point, it has to be about we are – if you're the Jets and you're going to give up assets and trade for him, I'm not doing that just so you can go play good football. I can go get Derek Carr to play good football. I'm trading for you to lead us to a championship, and we can't be led to a championship. And actually, Mike T was saying this last offseason, and so did Marcus Spears, and I was wrong on it, that, like, you got to be here, man. Like, you got to be there in March when no one wants to be there in April. you got to be a part of all this stuff because we can't win a championship – and I go back to when Tom left New England and Tampa Bay and, and the stories of breaking into parks. Like, we need that version of you, you know? And I, I think that I think these, these organizations have to sit back and understand that you're not just trading for and or paying a guy to play the position. You're trading for a guy that's basically like a walking icon right now. And I was thinking about this this morning, Mike T. A lot of us are tired about talking about this. And I would want to get a feel, and a general manager, what's my locker room feel like? It are, are there mm. young players in locker rooms? I know, and be like, yo, come on, man. Like at some point, you're either with us or you're not. But I think context is everything here, Dan. You're making a lot of great points, which is if I'm the Jets, I am paying the Aaron Rodgers tax much the way we at the Jets paid the Brett Favre tax a decade ago because we felt we could win a championship with Brett Favre to beat Tom Brady. If you're the New York Jets and all your points are well taken about, you're bringing in an icon with a lot of noise. But if I'm the Jets, I'm paying that price because the alternative right now is no doubt. Mike White. If I'm the Packers, again, because Jordan Love is an improved player, and if we believe in our process, we traded up for Jordan Love. That's how this whole thing started. 
I have to make that move at some point, and I'm making that move now so Jordan Love can grow old with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. And, oh, by the way, by May 1st, you have to decide if you want Jordan Love like the year the, after. Are you giving, um, are you giving him a, like a time frame ultimatum? Are you I, saying, hey, we need to know my March 6th or, or, or we move on type thing? In the nicest way possible, I'm just going to say, look, we've had an unbelievable run. You're an all-time great, Aaron. But if you want to move on, it's in your best interest and our best interest to know now, not in June. Wow, in the nicest way possible. Graz, I'll give you the last word. Yeah, I mean, it's a couple things about the situation. Aaron Rodgers' contract does not include a no-trade clause. The Packers could operate this thing on their timetable if they wanted to. Now, of course, he could complicate things, as is his want. But they, if they decide to move on, then I feel like this thing moves pretty quickly because he'll want to know where he's going, uh, et cetera. Mike T, of course, knows that it's a, it would be a, a contravention of the collective bargaining agreement to try and compel a player to do off-season uh, work. But it would be interesting to find out whether what Aaron didn't like about that was Green Bay. Non-negotiable. Or, <laughs> or, whether, uh, or whether he just doesn't like doing, uh, showing up in May and June for the voluntary stuff. Lots to work out if you're interested in Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, maybe non-negotiable, but definitely a delicate dance. We'll see how it plays out. All right, guys. Well, coming up, we're going to talk about Lamar Jackson. Is trading him a real possibility? You have to see what the Ravens general manager had to say when he was asked that very question. Plus, Mike McCarthy's mic drop. Did you see what he had to say about Kellen Moore? The Cowboys coach makes it quite clear why he's now calling the plays. That's coming up on Get Up. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All 
All right, it's time for some fact or fiction. Let's start with Graz. Graz, the Giants would make a mistake letting Saquon go. Fact or fiction? Uh, it's fiction, Ryan, because, you know, everything's got a price, and, and the running back market is going to be absolutely flooded with high-quality guys. You can argue that Saquon is the best of them, but if his contract demands get to a point where it makes it more difficult for the Giants to keep Daniel Jones, they got to move on and find somebody else because the fact of the matter is running back production in this league is, is kind of replaceable. All right, Dan Orlovsky, Derek Carr is the best quarterback fit for the Jets, back to fiction. No, no, no. Quarterback fit for the Jets is still Aaron Rodgers, even with everything we just said in the first block. But talent-wise, it's still Aaron Rodgers. And I'd also say this. If it's not Aaron Rodgers, I think they're more likely to have a Jimmy Garoppolo. Play great defense, run the football well, offensive line that is good. Just don't lose the game. And there's that attachment with Robert Salah's tie to San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo there as well. All right, Mike, Bryce Young is the best player in this draft. Fact or fiction? Fact, even though from a height perspective, he looks more like Graziano, and we wish he looked more like Orlovsky. Be that as it may, 32 touchdowns this year. He can make all the throws incredibly accurate, in great anticipation, impeccable character. He will be a great player despite not having ideal size. Just like me. All right. Graz, a little incensed there. I certainly get that. Of course, the Bears have the top pick. They'll have to decide whether to go quarterback or defense, and that could be impacted by this developing story. A top prospect in the NFL draft, Jalen Carter surrendered to police in Athens, Georgia last night. Now, he was released on bond minutes after he was booked on misdemeanor charges of reckless driving and racing in connection with a January crash that killed his teammate at Georgia and a staff member. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is reported that Carter was at the scene and provided different accounts of his connection to the crash. Now, Carter released this statement yesterday, which reads in part, numerous media reports have also, also have circulated this morning containing inaccurate information concerning the tragi- tragic events of January 15th, 2023. There is no question in my mind that when all the facts are fully known, that I will be fully exonerated of any criminal wrongdoing. All right, so a very serious situation. Obviously, the Combine, you guys that are there right now in Graz, I'm wondering what you've been hearing at the Combine around Carter. Look, it just happened yesterday. So a lot of the reaction you get when you talk to people is, hey, we need more information before we really know what we're dealing with in terms of how to evaluate a prospect that, you know, if you'd asked 48 hours ago, was probably under consideration for being the number one overall pick in the draft. Now, if you're a team, you have to assess what's going on with this off-field situation. How likely is it to be an ongoing situation with him? What does it say about the young man? It may be that there are teams that take him off their draft boards. There are teams that will not them down their draft boards. It may be teams that don't, but right now they're in the early stages of finding out what happened there, let the legal process unfold a little bit before making uh, any decisions about how to proceed. Yeah, and you talk about the legal process unfolding. Mike T, I got to say, if I'm his lawyer, I'm telling him, hey, look, don't say too much right now. We're trying to figure all of this out. But here he is at the combine talking to teams. He's got to say something. There's only so much you can say. So How does this impact things at the draft for him and how he explains all this to teams? 
Yeah, materially, because he has two sets of advisors, and from a legal standpoint, you're right. Your instincts, Ryan, are, hey, we're going to say as little as possible, and we hope this is a misdemeanor, and we get closure as quickly as possible. But from a football standpoint, as a GM, I want to know everything. Is this situation aberrational? Is this a great person that had one really bad night? Or is this somebody that has a real problem? And one of the big challenges here, guys, is the draft is about two months away. This legal situation oftentimes takes a lot longer. So if I'm a team in the first round and there's a massive question mark about what's going to happen from a legal standpoint, there's no way you could take Jalen Carter. You would need to know absolute uh, closure and certainty where he is with this process. So there is a lot more to unpack here in the coming weeks. Yeah, that's a great point there. I think sometimes people have this impression that, hey, they're going to try to figure this out in the next couple of weeks. Legal processes do not go that way. They can take much longer than people expect. So Dan Orlovsky, if you're the Bears, how are you approaching this top pick with this Carter news? Oh, I'm trading and trading and then trading again. I mean, Justin Fields, first of all, he's their starting quarterback. He's their future. We are not drafting Bryce Young. I love Mike T. We're not doing that, okay? Second of all, Justin Fields accounted for 25 touchdowns last year. You know who else did? Tom Brady, Trevor Lawrence, Dak Prescott. Those guys were in the playoffs. The Bears have the first overall pick with their quarterback accounting for 25 touchdowns. Their roster stinks. They need more players. So they need to trade back, trade back. They need a team to fall in love with a quarterback that is different than who Houston, who has the second pick, falls in love with and give them a ton of picks. This this is a complete we need to get more talent in Chicago situation to build around Justin Fields. It's not resetting the financial time frame for our quarterback by drafting Bryce Young. How'd that work out for the Jets? It's not taking a guy that we think is going to be better, Arizona with Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray. How's that working out for the Cardinals right now. Justin Fields is going to be a really good player in this league if you continue to support him. If you're the Bears, it's not about just acquiring one singular player. You have to get four, five, six, seven really good, hopefully, players, and you got to do that by trading all the way back as much as you can and acquiring a lot of high-level talent. Yeah, and, and you know, look, we look at this story, and it's obviously an extremely tragic situation. Separating that out of it, and obviously we're talking about the football side, Mike T, there was a time where you thought the Bears had a lot of leverage with this pick. They could trade in a bunch of different ways. How does this situation possibly impact their ability and their leverage in terms of trying to trade if they want to get out of that number one pick? Ryan, very significantly, and let's just put the – Bryce Young, Justin Fields issue to the side, and let's assume they're keeping Justin Fields. 24 hours ago, if we were talking about this, we would say, like, Chicago has great leverage. They could go back to four with the Colts, and they could either get Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, two great dominant defensive players. That's over. Now, if you're the Bears, you want to get a dominant defensive player, you can only move back one spot now with Houston because we know Arizona at three it would take a defensive player. So the uncertainty around Jalen Carter now materially impacts what Chicago's going to do. I understand Dan's point about they need a lot of players, but they need great players. They need a difference maker. They need somebody that the opponent's going to scheme for, and that's Will Anderson, that's Jalen Carter. Now maybe someone like Tyree Wilson comes into that conversation, but no doubt, Ryan, this development is going to hurt Chicago's flexibility. There's, there's four teams in the top ten. There's four teams in the top ten who need quarterbacks. Indy, Houston, the Raiders, and Carolina. 
they got a ton of leverage sitting at number one if you're Chicago. And one player is not going to change that organization for the better. They got a ton of leverage. They need to get four or five really good players in the first 100 picks of this draft. They're going to be completely fine. Keep Justin Fields and trade back. Okay, we'll see what they end up doing. Well, coming up, another, uh, another team that has quarterback issues. John Harbaugh was clear. Lamar is his guy. But does that mean the Ravens are ready to give their superstar what he wants? Also ahead, the Stars were on the bench, but the replacements saved the Lakers last night. Did they save their season? We'll talk about that when we come back. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. Back with you on Get Up, where the clock is ticking on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Now, the sides have until Tuesday to agree on a new contract, or Baltimore will have to put the franchise tag on them. So yesterday, Ravens GM Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh were asked about where things stood with their quarterback. He's my quarterback. He's my guy. I love him. And uh, as a coach, I just, I'm looking forward to seeing it get done, but it's not easy. You know, it's never easy. It's the business part of it. And you've said all along your focus is on extension, not on potential trade. Yeah. Do you have to consider that as an option? I covet great players. I covet quarterbacks, and I love Lamar. That has not factored in one time with me. We want to do what's best for the club. We're trying to do what we can for Lamar. We want to make everybody happy. All right, so Mike Tannenbaum, what is DaCosta actually saying? Boy, that is GM 101. Eric did a great job there. Look, he's in a contentious negotiation, has been for over a year, and basically saying we love Lamar Jackson and we think Cleveland's crazy for giving Deshaun Watson $230 million fully guaranteed. And hopefully there's something in the middle. But, Lamar, we're not giving you what you want, and hopefully you're a Raven. And I think Eric DaCosta did a great job yesterday. So basically, it's GM speak for we're not giving you a full guarantee. I got it. All right. So, <laughs> Dan Graziano, what are you hearing about what they're doing, where this stands? 
Well, they've talked, but there's no indication that they've made any significant progress toward a deal. Tuesday is the next pressure point. Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern is the deadline for teams to decide whether to use the franchise tag on players. If there's no deal by then, as I would expect there will not be, uh, the Ravens will certainly franchise Lamar Jackson. And then the question becomes, which franchise tag? And Eric DaCosta referenced this yesterday. You could put the non-exclusive tag on him, which is cheaper, but allows other teams to take him away from you if they're willing to part with two first-round picks to do it. You could put the exclusive tag on him and prevent that from happening, but then it costs you another, another 10, 12, 13 million against your salary cap while you continue to work this out. So Tuesday will be a big day to see what the Ravens do and then how Lamar reacts to it, uh, given that they'll then have another five months to work out a deal before the season starts. Okay, so more intrigue possibly coming up. So, Dan Orlovsky, I look at this and I say, and Dan, you broke it down perfectly, exclusive versus non-exclusive. So if they give him, say, the non-exclusive tag, how does that end up impacting Lamar, these negotiations in this team? I mean, I would feel disrespected if I was Lamar, if I got the non-exclusive franchise tag, because you're basically saying, we're going to tag you, but if somebody else wants to give us a ton for you, then they can come and take you off of our hands. And to my, and I want Graz and Mike T to make sure I'm accurate that this is less money, non-exclusive, more than the yes. exclusive, yes. and you're less. giving me less money on the tag. I think, like, when I, when I hear Eric DeCosta talk, and when he says the phrase, I want to do what's best for the club, the reality is this, what's best for the club financially is not what's best for the player, but it is to keep Lamar what is best for the club. What does Lamar want? That's, I, I, we, we don't know that really right now. Like, is it just the contract? Is it just the contract or is, is Lamar sitting there going, I want X amount of dollars and I want Odell Beckham Jr. Like, I, I'm tired of playing quarterback without a premier receiver. I look in this conference and Patrick Mahomes has got guys and Justin Herbert's got guys and Joe Burrow in our division's got guys. I need a guy. And I think what w- would be nice for us is to figure out what exactly Lamar wants outside of the money. But if I was Lamar in his camp and they gave me that non-exclusive tag, I would feel a little bit disrespected because do you want me here? Or do we really want to get this done? That, that's totally ahead, not the case. Look, if someone wants to pay anybody the top five of any profession, they're not being insulted. And by the way, Dan, like let's be very specific here. The villain in the story is going to be the market. So if he gets the non-exclusive tag, he could go out and solicit offers from 31 other teams, and they could decide how much Lamar Jackson is worth. And then Baltimore could simply match or not. And I think if I'm the Ravens and I'm Eric DaCosta, I would put the non-exclusive tag on because something else that's going on is deal fatigue. You've been dealing with this now for over a year. And to me, the villain in the story is, hey, let the market decide. We can't agree on terms. And then we'll either match or not match. Dan Graziano, help me understand this, right? So if you put the non-exclusive tag on, you can go out and solicit offers from other teams. The Ravens all this time, it seems, have been balking at the guarantee. So what if some other team steps up and says, hey, we'll give you $250 guaranteed? The Ravens would have right of first refusal, which means if they match the offer – Right, he would stay there, and if they don't, then he goes to that other team, and that other team sends Baltimore two first-round picks. So that's exactly what Tannenbaum's talking about. The market would decide. If you're the Ravens and you're negotiating, hey, Lamar, we don't think the market bears what you're asking, but if you find out that it does and you come back to us, you win. Right? Maybe we will give you that deal, but right now we don't feel like we have to, or we don't feel like we should, uh, in absence of of something like that telling them otherwise. So, Arlovsky, real talk here. How does that make you feel if you're Lamar Jackson? 
Yeah, I mean, breaking it down after Graz and, and Mike T broke it down, I, I get the, the, the financial kind of semantics of it. I just think at some point the organization has to meet the player in the player's camp and say, we're going to get this done. We, we, we really – like, it's easy to say you want me here until you, it comes down to the money. And I think Lamar's got to be very clear with what his goals are in Baltimore to Baltimore. Is it just the money or is it winning the Super Bowl? Is it giving them the best chance to win the Super Bowl? Patrick Mahomes' salary is going to be the seventh most expensive in football next year at quarterback. Seventh. Yep. Seventh. Okay? So th mm. that is a very real part of this conversation that both of these parties need to figure out. Yeah, another real part. How's Lamar feeling about all this, even if he does go yep. out and solicit offers on a non-exclusive tag? We'll talk a lot more about that. But first... Let's talk some basketball because what a night it was in L.A. We're talking about superstars in football. The Lakers were down two of them because Anthony Davis was out. Of course, LeBron's been out for a while. They were taking on the Thunder. Fourth quarter, Dennis Schroeder. Thank goodness he was there. Two of his team high 26 right there. A few minutes later, Rui Hachimura with the block. And Lakers on the fast breaks looking like showtime right here. Malik Beasley back to Hachimura for the slam. A.D. loving it. They're up 13. Thunder looking to get back in this one. No SGA for them on this night, but they had Josh Giddy to Lou Dort right there. Thunder down eight after a free throw, and then Giddy getting to the rim. One rebound shy of a triple-double for him, 22 points, 11 assists, and nine rebounds. But a minute later, Austin Reeves in action, the up and under, and the Lakers go on to win. So the win moves the Lakers up to the 11th seed, but they remain a game back in the final play-in spot. Our analytics currently gives L.A. a 63% chance to end up in the play-in and a 40% chance to make the playoffs. So let's talk some basketball. Let's bring in Zach Lowe, Vince Carter back with us. Zach, I'll start with you. Where do you stand on the Lakers' playoff chances as of right now? If. If Anthony Davis and D'Angelo Russell come back soon enough, and our reporting from Dave McMenamin indicates that's possible and or optimistic about that, they're absolutely hanging in for the race for ninth or 10th. They're good enough to gut out these wins. Half of these teams are going to lose every night because none of them are all that good and they're all playing each other. But let's break it down. I think the ceiling for them is probably ninth. You have Dallas and Minnesota at seventh and eighth. Those teams are better than the Lakers. They should stay ahead of the Lakers. Utah in ninth is a bit of a wild card. New Orleans is clinging to 10th. They finally got a win last night. The Lakers are right behind them. They have the tiebreaker over New Orleans as of right now. They've already passed Oklahoma City and Portland, who's slumping. So they're snug in that 11th spot. They've played five more road games than home games. <coughs> I think they're going to scuffle along and hang in and hang in and hang in till the end. But ninth and 10th is a hard way into the playoffs, and I think that's going to be their only way in. Okay, Vince, what do you think? I'm right there with them. I, I think ninth and 10th, I, I don't see them moving up any higher. The fortunate for them is that they have five home games coming up. Now, with that, T-Wolves, uh, Warriors, Grizzlies, Raptors, and Knicks are the next five games. Knicks have been playing great. Grizzlies are playing better. Warriors, so on and so forth. So, I, I mean, I think this is an opportunity, particularly if you can get, like like, like, uh, like you said, you, if you can get uh, the, the big fella back, if you can get D'Angelo Russell back, you get AD back. I, I, we don't know when LeBron's back. They have a chance, but I don't see them going any further than that because of you, LeBron not being there.
Yeah, and you see, you look at the Lakers last night. You saw Schroeder put on a little bit of a show. You saw Hachimura delivering what they hoped yes. from him. But you said it right there. We don't know if LeBron's coming back. Do you think that there's a realistic path to the playoffs? Can they stay afloat if LeBron doesn't come back? Vince. Realistically, they can stay afloat. I, I, you know, based on everything we've just said, Austin Reeves, I think, is, is budding. Uh, you know, I had a chance to talk to Coach Ham. He said he's one of their favorite guys. But right now, I, I just – it's kind of just – it's up to AD to, to really lead this team until further notice. We don't know until we know about LeBron, so they're going to have to get it done. Now, if they're able to hold on, anything can happen when you have LeBron James in your lineup. You know, particularly if you put yourself in a ninth plot, you get a, a, a seed, and you can play. LeBron can get you a win to move forward. All right. Zach? I, with that, if LeBron is going to be out the rest of the regular season, that's what you're positing, or that's the theory, the theoretical that we're dealing with here. Right, theory. Uh, I think they will hang in for the ninth or tenth race. I, but it, but getting out of the ninth or tenth, you know, you got to play nine and ten, and then the winner plays the loser of seven and eight. It's a tough road in, and then you're on the road from there. If he's compromised in the playoffs at all, I, I just don't see them being able to make a run given their current state of health. But even without him... For the foreseeable future, I agree with Vince. I think they're hanging in, but people have to realize there's a difference between seven and eight and nine and ten, and that's where the Lakers are going to be in that nine and ten. Okay, now let's take a look at the East because it's getting interesting there. Because don't look now, look who's moving up. The Knicks just a game and a half back of the top four seed, which would mean home court for a first round series for them. Now New York has gone ten and two since the start of February. Only the Bucks have been better during that stretch. Zach, you were at the Knicks game last night. You tell us, are they a legitimate threat in the East? A threat to win the East? Let's pump the brakes on that. <laughs> Those two teams at the top of the East are so good, so experienced, and so tested that to see the Knicks without home court advantage beating them four out of seven is kind of far flung to me. But the Knicks are really good and we're looking at a potential Knicks-Donovan-Mitchell-Cleveland series in the first round, mm. revisiting all those trade talks from over the summer. And I'll finish with this. I saw Brian Windhorst earlier this week saying, you know what, watch out for the Knicks, whether it's this summer or next summer, because at some point, some star somewhere is going to say, trade me there. It will happen. It's not a pipe dream. And I agree with Wendy. They're setting themselves up, whether it's this summer or in a year or whatever, to be a player on the trade market for a star. Not bad, and they got all that draft capital to boot. So, Vince, okay, so maybe they're not a legit threat to win the East, but can they make it out of the first round in your mind? I, I think it all depends on who they're playing. Now, let's go back. We've seen the Knicks before be very good and struggle in the playoffs, if we know what we're saying here, what I'm saying here. So, uh, I, I think they're a very good basketball team, but I think Jalen Brunson, who – that, you know, who they've added has been fantastic. He's their floor general. He's a guy that can get a buck. He's averaging 27.9 points in the last seven win in the last seven game uh, in their seven game win streak, right along with Julius Randle, averaging 27 and a, and a half points as well. So they have the ability. They have a guy who can get you a bucket. When Julius Randle struggled in, in the playoffs a couple of years ago, they needed another guy to step up. Well, they have that, but I don't know if if they can beat 
a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers with Donovan Mitchell playing like he is as well. Yeah, that's going to be the key right there. All right, guys, thanks. We'll talk a little more basketball in just a little bit. But first, when we come back, we're going to talk some football. Have you seen Mike McCarthy's mic drop? You see what he had to say about Kellen Moore? The Cowboys coach makes it quite clear why he's now calling the plays. That's next. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Welcome back. It's time to cowboy up. We're talking big Cowboys offseason decisions. Let's start with Mike T. Mike, should the Cowboys pay or tag Tony Pollard? Tag him. He is a great player, Ryan. Averages over five yards a carry. Unfortunately, he got hurt in their last game here against San Francisco. So you want to make sure the rehab's going great. He is a running back, but he's a player that's absolutely indispensable for this offense, not only running the ball, but receiving as well. Okay. Dan, should the Cowboys, Dan Graziano, should the Cowboys bring back Zeke Elliott? Probably not, and I'm worried that I'm going to be running into agents that represent running backs the rest of the day, and they're not going to want to talk to me. But, I mean, look, there are a lot of running backs on the market. This is a player that right now is scheduled to cost almost $17 million against the cap. They'd save about 12 if they were to release him. You could get him to stay for a pay cut, but I think you have to assess what he is at this point in his career and whether you can find somebody maybe with a little more juice. Dan Orlovsky, the Cowboys need to extend Dak now. I mean, they have to strictly because his salary is so high. I mean, they're they're not in a good cap situation. I think he's the second most expensive quarterback in football next year behind Deshaun Watson. Just for the freedom of the moves that they have to make, they're going to have to sign a back at some point. They need to get another wide receiver, probably another tight end, and an offensive lineman. They're going to need some money probably to do it just for, for the financial freedom of it. Okay, so we'll see what happens there. In the meantime, the guy who's going to be calling his plays, Mike McCarthy, Man, you had to hear what he had to say to reporters yesterday about his old offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. Look at this. Kellen Moore wants to light the scoreboard up, but I want to run the damn ball so I can rest my defense. 
I don't have the desire to be the number one offense in the league. I want to be the number one team in the league with a number of wins and a championship. Look at Dan Graziano. I mean, the looks on your guys' faces. Mike, let me start with you. What's your reaction? I'll tell you what. I was shocked and disappointed. There is a code and there is protocols within the coaching fraternity. You're the head coach. You made a decision to move on from the offensive coordinator. You thank him. You wish him well. And it's ancient history. Nothing good comes out of those comments. You own the decision. You're going to own the success of this team. And within the coaching fraternity, you just don't do that, Ryan. Gross. I mean, also, like, what are you doing? Are you admitting to the world that you fired your offensive coordinator because you scored too many points? Is Mike McCarthy in some kind of competition committee meeting where they've decided to change the the way of determining outcomes of games by how rested your defense is instead of how many points you score uh, versus how many the other team? I mean, come on, man. It's 2023. There are people running around here that heard that and said it it sounded like a different language to them. We've moved past four points. Andy Reid lost like the light at the scoreboard. Right? I think it's working out well for him. <laughs> so, Dan, sounds like you, Dan Orlowski, sounds like you agree with the comments, the, the principle of them. No. Uh, I, <laughs> uh, I would say this. If you think that just running the football is the key determining factor in winning a Super Bowl in the NFL, you're watching a different NFL than, than me right now. I think winning in the NFL is about throwing to score, running to win. You got to throw early on in football games. Um, I, I don't think what was said about, listen, Kellen Moore is the next quarterback. He's going to want to score a ton of points, all that stuff. The Cowboys didn't lose last year because they were unable to run the football in certain moments. The Cowboys lost last year because the quarterback threw too many interceptions in critical moments. That's the candid reason why. And injuries piled up to their roster. It wasn't because of them wanting to score more points um, than the other team or trying to light up a scoreboard, so to speak. So I, I, don't, I don't necessarily agree with kind of the philosophy behind that. Okay. So he also – McCarthy also <laughs> – Dan's like, no. <laughs> McCarthy also talked about maximizing Dak, the play, being the yeah. play caller. It's going to be a new voice. Everybody could use a new voice. Yeah. So, so, Graz, what are you hearing and what do you think about McCarthy trying to maximize Dak through calling the play? Well, I think – Sort of go back to what we're talking about with Ezekiel Elliott. Like you have to assess what you have on your offense in terms of explosive playmakers, uh, and and frankly get more of them. When Tony Pollard got hurt in the playoff game, they pretty much had one guy left on the field that, that was going to be an explosive, you know, difference-making type of offensive player, and that was C.D. Lamb. They need to get more around him. Like, is Michael Gallup going to be better a year removed from his injury? You know, yeah. Maybe, but they need to be thinking about guys that can make game-breaking type of plays um, to, to put around C.D. Lamb and Dak Prescott. Can I jump in here real quick, Gra- Gra- Brian? Can I jump in on this conversation? So, yep. first of all, you have to answer the question of what is the maximization or max? where is the max for Dak Prescott? What is he? And then figuring out how to maximize it. Now, everyone's going to bring this conversation to the interceptions of last year. I, If I was Mike McCarthy, I wouldn't. I would not make last year's interceptions that big a deal. Dak Prescott historically is one of the greatest quarterbacks ever when it comes to not throwing interceptions. I'm not going to pretend that they didn't happen, but to maximize him is not going to be sitting there and harping over these interceptions that happen. You watch them, we talk about them, we learn a little bit, and we move forward from them. But if the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy or people are going to make a big deal about these interceptions, they're going to make a mountain out of a molehill. 
the reality was this was a, a one-year thing for Dak Prescott. The body of work is ma- way better than it was last year. I don't think they should make a big deal about the picks. Yeah, I, I, I totally disagree with that. 11 of his 17 picks, including the postseason, when, when Dallas had the lead or the game was tied, if that number was cut in half, they're right on, nipping at the heels the of the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles and winning the division. So not all interceptions are cr- created equal. And if they could just clean up the ones when they have the lead, Dallas is a better football team doing nothing else. That's six years of not turning the ball over. Yeah. Last year was bad, but that's not who he is. Yeah. I, I, look, Last I think word, that's one ahead. of the big reasons that Mike McCarthy made that decision was those interceptions happened, they were bad interceptions, oh. and it obviously cost them the game against the 49ers in the playoffs. No, you weren't listening. I'm it's because it's, it's they, they scored too many points. That's why, <laughs> that's why he made the decision. He explained it. I'm defending Dak. Yeah, I was, that's a good point. I was wondering about that, too. I'll tell Lots you what, I love it. Here, you guys Ryan. all sitting together, and you're agree- disagreeing just like normal. All right. Thanks, guys. Dan Orlovsky, I know you got to get ready to run your 40 times, so oh. we'll see you in a little bit, but. But, uh, Half day. Good luck running that sub 4-4. <laughs> All right. Our ESPN spring training schedule wraps up with a Grapefruit League game between the Phillies and Red Sox in Fort Myers, Florida, noon Eastern. It's also available on the ESPN app. Coming up, KD's debut. A new day is gone for the Suns. Why, after just one game, the rest of the NBA should be very nervous. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.